We are all here. Say who they are around the table. It's all guides. This is after hunting season. A little recap. Go ahead. I'll start. I'm Logan Trombley. This is my first year as a full-time guide. You don't need to tell them that you're a rookie. No. They'll know that immediately. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> uh, Jay. This is Jay, seasoned veteran. Tired of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach Heron is here, too. Old Zach, uh, he come in, he was a closer for us. He come in and helped us out in the pinch. Uh, did a good job, too. Thanks, man. Yeah. Give us your honest opinion. Lay yeah. it on us. You like it? Hurt, oh, yeah. Hurt <laughs> feelings, please. I beg you. Having experienced working at different places all over the United States, this is definitely one of the hardest areas for clients to come in and just kill stuff right out of the truck. If they can't walk, they're not going to kill anything. But it is pretty cool here. There's a lot of cool views. There's a lot of animals. You just got to work to find them. I like it. It's pretty sweet. I like working my butt off to go find an animal and then have clients not be able to shoot them. <laughs> it makes for a lot more animals on down the road. Yep. yep. Sure does. Yeah, it makes that much Job security. Yep. There's definitely a good team here too. So We all, we didn't know about you there at first, but you come around pretty good. <laughs> yeah. No. I told these guys not a lot of the crews like like go together like ours so you got to like have like a defensive edge sometimes yep. when you go to places and then you see how everybody just kind of gels and fit right in very well i was very impressed all the guides most of the days worked together on stuff it was a nice transition from last year someone would come in and they'd be like okay you have a client that can do this so here go to this point or go yep. here and um, everyone just kind of worked more as a team this year. and Well, the perfect example of that was Jay dropping me a pin for that place. Because yep. I went up there and found all the deer and sat there for a whole week watching them every day because my clients couldn't shoot that far. And then we went in there on the fifth week and killed one the first day. Jay went back up there and killed another one the next day. And then Logan went up there, didn't kill one because of the fog and the weather. But And yeah, then dropped his binos off my, the cliff. I did gain something up there, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that place gained a piece of me. Yep. My binos. All right, so how are we going to start this? Quick rifle recap. Quick rifle recap. Uh, it, it ought to be real quick. We killed a bunch of deer. <laughs> the elk won. Yep. We um, could break down a million different ways uh, how to make this better. Um, but bottom line is it's just a tough animal, and you have to keep that in mind from the beginning. And I base hunting the elk like if i'm into elk daily i consider that awesome because there's a lot of days and weeks that you just don't get into elk so the more that you're into them the better you can. so what would be the reasonings for not killing elk guys elk aren't real they're a mystical beast playing not being able to sometimes get where they are yeah that's that, a problem that, not that hitting them with a bullet that is also a problem. I think this year versus last year, the weather was very different. Last year, the second week, we already had a whole bunch of snow down at the lodge. And this year, we have had nothing but rain and fog and 40 to 45 degree weather. We, so I think that played a big part in a lot of fog the days. hunting. Like, yeah. honestly, if you count all the fog days up, probably almost half of our hunting days were fog days. Yeah. Yep. And those are the only days that you really can't, like, do anything. You can timber knock and shoot 40 yards, but most of the time you just wear your guys out and move animals around. 
we didn't have a lot of super cold snaps to move those animals off of places where they were still in from archery hunting. You could come up with a million different scenarios of why and how, and you still have to adapt and try to kill them. I mean, that's our jobs. In all honesty, I mean, elk hunting is going to be very good next year. A lot of stuff. There's going to be a lot of elk <laughs> next year. <laughs> the population yeah. didn't get hurt that bad this fall. Yeah. Jay, would you remember the numbers? How many elk that were killed here in the 2000s? Wasn't it like 700 and some? Yeah, 700 bulls. Yep. How many elk are killed now? Uh, close to four, maybe less. Yeah. But yeah. but there's still the same population. So yes, let's talk about this. Yeah. This is this is where I think the hunting caliber is pathetic anymore. No one hunts. All the old timers are too wore out. They don't hunt anymore, but they're the only ones that killed anything. They, they did hunts that we couldn't even imagine doing, and they used three to nines and odd sixes and killed truckloads of stuff that we couldn't even. We, gee, many sakes, they didn't kill not one elk. With you know, the old five thousand dollar guns. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? You know, it was uphill both ways and everything they were tougher honestly though they're they're just plain and simple a lot tougher than most of the people nowadays that want to go out in the woods they got all this stuff that makes them comfy to be able to stay out there longer you still gotta grind man you still gotta go we go over all this gear and things like that and to be honest with you that what i love about this place the most is you can outfit yourself completely out i'll take an open sight gun and i'll wear my blue jeans and if you got a more gur than some dude that's got a giant wallet, you can out hunt him in this country because it's gnarly also. You can't come out here and be a pussy. Uh, just truly. I'm not, I'm Honestly, just seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For real. I mean, and it comes with a mindset. Like you gotta, elk hunting is not easy. If you want the little badge that says you killed a public land elk, don't expect it to come easy. It all, not even one single bit. I would love to have all these opportunities. I'm sure you guys would too. Just to be able to go hunting, well, that's the reason why we guide is so we can do it every day. And bottom line, it boils down, we're gonna be the ones to blame. Doesn't matter, everybody has an ego. So when they go home and they didn't kill nothing, we're gonna be the at fault and we know it. It's, it boils down to that, I believe it. But we really would have killed the same amount of elk as we did last year. If you would count the misses, it, it's still you never kill a piles of elk. That's all right. an imaginary. Yeah, I mean, we still had the misses and, and things like that last year, but on top of killing. They hire us to do a majority of it, scouting and knowing the locations, but there's a lot of things that go into being a successful client as well. So what are some things that you guys have seen just over this past season that they could start practicing or being conscious about? for their upcoming hunt. So I believe that just some some things in rifle season that I see constantly that are problems is acquiring targets. It's a huge problem. Acquiring a target this year is probably the, my biggest frustration with a lot of missed opportunities. You know, pe- people have a hard time, you know, finding the animal with the naked eye or even with their binos and then they expect to just be able to see it through their scope with, you know, little to no practice doing anything like that and it makes it tough 
we didn't have this problem years ago. It didn't seem like guys had a problem. Now, yeah, we were shooting way different scopes and things, but they brought the gun that they always used, so they were comfortable with it. They knew what it did at different ranges. And I've noticed now, too, guys will bring, like, almost a small spreadsheet with them and they lay that on the gun and all that and when it comes down to crunch time you honestly don't have time to sit there and flip through it you got to either know it or you don't when you're talking four or five inches difference that's still inside an animal's heart when you start dialing things around and then you're not dead confident on it and haven't did it a bunch i'm confident with my rifle setup because i've been fooling with the same exact thing for like four years if, if you don't have the confidence, just grab your scope and move all the dials in every which direction and not know how to be able to set it back to where it was <laughs> and have the confidence that it's going to be back into that. You're Most probably not going to have the confidence when it, when that animal is stepping out in, in front of you. we got to figure out a way to get these guys to shoot past their normal tree stand range of 100 to 200 yards. Like We've got to get them to where they can shoot 500 the, the day they get here. There's really no excuse that you can't find somewhere to shoot over 500 yards especially you know even even on the, the east side of the united states there's a ton of different ranges and with the popularity of like the prs matches and all these different shooting competitions now you know it could be two hour drive find find the time on the weekend we had a couple clients go to a long range class that they said helped them a lot yeah to there, there's a, better it does there's a ton you're, yeah you're paying yeah. the money to come out here and do it you want to come out here and be successful you got to help yourself the best you can to prepare for when it does happen when it all comes down to it it's just repetition over and over in a normal setting you know and and practicing a little bit different different shots that's what's going to keep you you know calm during the time if you've done it a billion times it's just second nature the best way to shoot is prone anytime you can lay on the ground with more points of contact you just need to get comfortable to shoot like that most western guys if they're shooting distances even if you're shooting two to three hundred yards i lay on the ground and use the bipods try to get low to the earth it's a more stable platform than trying to sit up and do all kinds of wild ass I don't even know. You couldn't contort into some of these positions if you were asked to. Right. And and this type of terrain definitely adds some challenges to being able to get in a good prone position and practicing not being perfectly flat and, yeah. you know, at a little bit of a weird angle. But it, if you're still solid, you know, you'll, you're able to make the shot. You know, most, most of the times we all wish that we had the gun in our hand. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> The fifth week, I had a hunter have a 140-plus inch whitetail at 36 yards, and he couldn't get his gun loaded. And by the time he got his gun unjammed and loaded, the deer was gone. That, that comes down to familiarity of your rifle and how much do you truly use it. Do yep. you just keep it in your gun cabinet and, you're, and you, know, you like to look at it because it's cool? But it's a tool, and... You're not going to be proficient if you don't use the dang thing a ton. you got to know your gun's capability through and through in order to be successful with it. 500-yard shot, that's canyon to canyon. Uh, if you want a close shot, you have to boots on the ground, get over there, and then that animal's face, and then you're going to have to try to pick out a legal animal. Like we were talking about yesterday, we glassed up 20 elk, and if you found a bull in that group and you could magically click your heels together and get up on the mountain and just prop yourself right in a perfect spot you'd still probably be watching elk run away with your gun on fire and be clicking the safety back on 
scratching your head at why it didn't work out. Even when the, like the perfect scenarios, it's still super difficult. So now you have to make a second ditch effort to get on those animals, and now you're exerting energy. Physical yeah. fitness is probably number one. Yeah, that because should be first. If they don't have physical fitness, then they can't get to where the animals are anyways to shoot them. Backpacks. Put weight in these backpacks. Hiking miles is good, but the backpacks break people down. I see that more than anything. They hate them. Well, let's go over backpacks. Yeah, having the right backpack. That's something that we did see this year that was hindering a lot of clients is the backpacks they bring. No GN Sport backpacks, something with at least an internal frame. Yeah, there's one thing that I noticed when my hunter shot that mule deer on the fifth week. His buddy came out and he had a uh, basically a gym backpack that he was used to carrying to his tree stand. And we all kind of carried out that deer, but he carried out a mule deer's front shoulder basically in a game bag in his hands the whole time because it wouldn't fit in his backpack yes you want an internal frame because it's going to be a little bit more comfortable a little more flexible than like an external big big pack and honestly it comes down to just being prepared you know if you're you're planning on killing you know you come out here you want to plan on on killing something and each day that you go out you know you kind of have the same mentality if you just have a little tiny day pack to isn't going to help you when you're out there and if you do kill something and you want to carry it out put 40 pounds in any of your backpacks that you're bringing out put 40 pounds in that thing and walk around then the next day put 60 pounds in it and walk around and if it's not comfortable and even short amount of distances on easy terrain you need to probably look at a different backpack because the thing's going to grind you apart if you're going to make a make western hunting something that you're going to try to do every year or every other year invest in a good backpack because they will last what's a backpack that makes a small internal frame because they could just look them up and kind of go off of that instead of us Uh, trying to explain it the stone glacier avail is a good so there's a small internal frame with carbon staves there's a really good cheap pack and it's the everly stock rocky mountain elk foundation pack and it's got an internal frame yeah that's a good one too that would be a good starter pack for anybody that wants to come out west and hunt it's just having something with stability to your back when you go to put meat and everything on there so it's not just flopping around and everything boots guys were good on boots this year pretty pretty yeah. well we we talked about that a bunch <laughs> zach's like nah, nah. except for the fourth week and first, the fifth week first week my guys had boots that were comfortable but they didn't break in their kind of tracks. Mm-hmm. And then on, on days, their tread on their other ones weren't as good, so they'd try to wear their mountain boots, but they weren't broken, so in return it hurts their feet. Or people wearing boots that are two sizes too big. Um, I've seen a lot of people come out this week with uh, iris setters, the uh, vapor tracks, and they fall apart by the end of the week. Iris setting boots are not the same as they used to be back in the day <laughs> i'll just say sure. that they they that's ain't made how they used to yep chugu duct tape well that's the problem with them is that they're basically 90 percent glue when you walk out here and contort your feet to these mountains it just rips them apart or the old fire claims them more yep. gear than oh, anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i burned a couple holes in my pants this week yeah so if you show up with gear that's not gonna dry fast and things like that now we are forced to build a fire to keep you alive or out there all day yeah the the fourth week we had uh, my guy he had he was gonna hunt blue jeans the whole time 
and I'm glad I asked him at North 40 before we even started this hunt on the fourth week what he was going to hunt in and he said blue jeans and I was like honestly you should probably get a pair of those King's Camo hiking pants and he did and he wore them every day of the week because they dry faster than jeans you can't hunt in jeans out here no they're going to be soaked in the first 10 minutes walking in in the morning and then the rest of the day you're wet if you do you're a you're a tough son I know there's dudes that do but as far as if you're not used to suffering immensely, it's not happening. Don't even think you're that tough. <laughs> it's, it's not And why work. try to be that tough? You can find a decent pair of pants anywhere from 75 to $150, and you can wear that same pair of pants all six days and really help yourself out. Alpaca socks, that's what's next. Yep, that's, I already ordered them. Oh, boy. So we'll see. Did you get the special edition scrotum special? They're the wheelie warmer? No. Yeah, they're made with only alpaca scrotum hair. That is... Super, oh, I thought you were talking about the one warm. that goes on I your scrotum. I got my nut socks on. <laughs> you really just need something that is somewhat breathable, but it holds up durability-wise and is somewhat water-resistant. Most of these hunts out here that the guides have planned, they, we don't come back to the lodge. No, no. No one comes back to the lodge unless you're asking to, but... Typically, once you get to an area, you are going to want to stay out all day, or it was just a waste of a morning to walk in there um, just to turn around and walk back out. So if you go on our website to the info overload tab, we have a gear list broke down what to buy and why to buy it, and then we also have a PDF version that's printable to start checking off the list of everything you can accumulate over the next year. Um, Binos is a big one that I saw this year couple different weeks they might have came out with binos but they weren't anything that was gonna be effective um, a lot of the times when we're glassing out here it's long distance so you need something that's a good 10 by 42 or bigger Levi he uh, had some new special gear everybody wanting binoculars to be able to work really well those were self-stabilizing and they were sweet sucker out glass me all week with them what are those called the sig kilos Another battery-operated gadget, but I had to put my binos on a tripod if I even wanted to compete with him because he could one-hand it, sit there, and just press this little button, and it would self-stabilize the image. And that's why you don't pick up any animals because you're looking for a fragment of them, and you just overlook yeah. everything. It's easy to do. <clears throat> and, like, obviously, we have optics that we have clients look through ours as well, but if they're looking through ours to see an animal that we just found, we can't keep looking to find others. So it's nice if they have binos where we can just tell them there's an animal, they can get on that with their binos and we can continue glassing. The more, the more eyes looking is gonna increase your odds on finding animals. If there's three of us sitting at a glassing knob and only one guy's glassing, that cuts down your chances of finding something. But if all three of us are spread out, picking the woods apart, our odds of finding an animal are gonna increase greatly. Yeah, so that's another thing that clients can start working on is just glassing. Don't pick up your binos the first time. Figure out when, when your you neighbor showers here. and what window they <laughs> walk by. Wham. Just acquiring that target. <laughs> yeah. On point. Short windows, just gaps going yeah, through. Yeah, that would be exactly like hitting these timber exactly. pockets. Yep. Looking for windows. movement. We could make lists and you can get on here and you can prep, get yourself ready. But if you don't come with a good right frame of mind, the youth hunters always have a lot of fun yeah let's talk about the youth hunters because that is like that's where i was getting at (laughs) the silver lining in this whole entire hunting season was the youth hunters killed it they slayed is that because they heard us all talking and they've listened to a lot of these podcasts and they 
they hung out with all the guides here in the evenings and talked. You can watch it develop. Every youth hunter that we had in camp, including our own, Grinded. stuck it out all six days. Youth hunters are the best because they don't have bad habits. Yes. Like guys that come out here, they've been hunting their whole lives. If they don't want to load their gun when you tell them, then they're not going to. But if you tell a kid to load their gun, yep. they're loaded in two seconds. Yep, exactly what you said. Well, they have false expectations. And then the kid has no expectation. He's just kind of going off of what he's building it off of that experience and on the moment. The first youth hunters we had were Cole and Sawyer. <laughs> both and killed bucks that week, too. Both came out with their dads. They booked um, two years ago with us, and they both ended up tagging nice mule deer with their dads. And as a group, I think they had a great time. The biggest mule deer brought into camp this year was um, with Cole. He just recently messaged me on Instagram and said that he's going to do a little guiding of his own um, this week, helping some people hunt, and he said he's going to come out and guide with me someday. So we're we're just training him. A couple other youth hunters that we had were our kids. So why don't you go into that story? Um, I got to hunt with my cousin Levi. He always burns up a ton of gear. He only burned his hat up this year, but Wade took his place, and he melted boots, gaiters, rain gear, jackets, gloves. My boy was a typical boy. He ended up killing a deer. We passed on probably four or five bucks. He hunted hard. Wade wanted to small game hunt, duck hunt, possibly shoot a mule deer, fish, fish a little bit. <laughs> All rolled into six days out here. In the beginning of the week, he was not going to kill anything less than a 160-inch mule deer. By Thursday, he killed one that had a wounded eye, and that's why he shot it, yep. <laughs> is what he claims. <laughs> so Levi and I were ready to kill Wade. Honestly, he was driving us nuts <laughs> at certain points. He's, you can't tell him anything. It's, he knows way better. So we just let him absolutely suffer multiple days and hoping he would cry uncle or like complain. Oh, and it would just drive me nuts. He wouldn't ever. And then I was like, no way he's going to kill anything. Sure enough, he shoots a mule deer and then he can go do all the, He accomplished most of the things that he was wanting to do. He was duck hunting for half the week. <laughs> He passed on a couple bucks that I think he wished he would have shot later. It's okay. He had fun. I'd rather him hunt like that. My daughter, her long legs, she could walk like crazy. I was highly impressed with her. Aubrey stayed dead set on her elk hunt and he, out hiking you. I've never seen as many bulls, legal bulls, hunting that I did that week. It was crazy. They just were showing up. We did two hunts in one day. Uh, she could just hike around, so we covered a bunch of ground. How many miles did she hike? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Well over 50 miles. Uh, it was a dream come true having them here this whole week, that whole week. So another thing we have to touch base on is the comment we got on Facebook when I uploaded pictures of a couple of the mule deer we shot. And they were not big, giant mule deer, but they were decent. And the clients that killed them were happy with them. And I think we should touch on how we do that as an outfit. I feel like we shouldn't even give those trolls the time of the day. It wasn't for, a troll. It was the previous outfitter. Man, we had no care about where animals got blasted or what size when I worked for them. So the fact that we even do things the way we do, we have areas where there's absolute no meat bucks, small bucks, dinks, whatever you want to call them. You can't shoot anything there. They have to be trophy animals, mainly because I'm not helping pack anything out of there. And we're not going to spend all night in certain places. That's more of the way more work than 
it's totally necessary for something like that. Yeah, because I felt terrible saying what I was about. Like, how am I going to justify that animal's not? It doesn't have a big rack, so it, it it's not as good as a one that does. Even in what kind of area? It's the amount of work. I mean, for yeah, and and likely that he is going to live in those type of areas to yes. become a bigger buck because of the type of the terrain and and how you know how far back it you know it is in there. The deer that are living on the outskirts of the road, they. They ain't going to get a lot of age to them regardless. Somebody's going to shoot them. Well, 100%. There's certain places that if you let that buck go that day, I can guarantee it, you'll be seeing it on Facebook the next day. Yeah. And they're easy access. So when we have clients that they don't care about shooting a mature animal and they just want to go hunting and they want to harvest an animal, we hunt those areas with them. If you want to shoot a big buck one day, then we go and suffer. And that's when you need that gear that we're talking about. That's when you need that mentality yeah, and positive the attitude. The gur factor. To think that six days is enough to hunt in the mountains and kill it. And kill a giant. It, it's nearly impossible to do that in six days. It's hard for us to look at someone and say, you spent this much money, you can't kill that buck. Because to everybody else on social media, it's not big enough. But to you who just hiked 50 or 60 miles, put your heart and soul into it, that looks like a trophy animal after what you just endured believe it or not this outfit doesn't want to just take your money and show you some cool country and drive you around a little bit we we want to kill animals yeah, too we're here to hunt the, that's what we're here for <laughs> that's what we were talking about sometimes i believe that we morgan said that we want to kill animals more than the clients do like we have more drive that's honestly yeah sometimes if you're paying for that that's awesome i mean i, I don't want to pay for someone that doesn't want to hunt and i'm wanting to go after it and they don't that's annoying. We don't want to sound like we're preaching to you on what's right and what's wrong. Whenever we see something that could produce a tagged animal, it's hard to see the frustration in the client because ultimately we're you're the ones that are spending the money. We're the ones that should have had you more prepared. And um, it's, it's really a team effort in all parties. We want to make sure that everyone comes out here as prepared as possible. We're max effort from the start to the finish. That's for sure. I've sat at the end of a lot of hunting seasons, and you, you always get these high hopes, but they're always relatively the same. And then in another month, our spirits will be completely different, and I, I believe we have short-term memories as guides. That's what keeps us going. Gotta. <laughs> Gotta. Yeah, thank God for it. I already <laughs> forgot how miserable it was walking around a couple of them canyons. You get me by the end of the week, I'll be ready to roll them again. Yep. <laughs> do this violent effort boys saddle up we're burning daylight death before dishonor all right everybody's ready to go yep please you boys can go home see your families all right